0: Welcome to It Is Written Canada. Thank you for joining us. When you meet people who are generous, the big question is why. Why are they so big-hearted?
1: Today our special guests are Ron and Patty Hetland, humble farmers from Saskatchewan, who say the reason we give back to God is because He has blessed us so much in so many ways.
0: Ron and Patty simply want to glorify their Father in Heaven who teaches us that to live is to give. And the more they give, the more they experience the pure joy of giving.
1: Here is Ron and Petty Hedlund's story.
2: My name is Ron Hetland. I was born in a little town not far from here, raised on a farm. Uh, there was—I'm the, the tenth of eleven siblings. I attended a school in in in, in the town of Spalding. Uh, after my uh, older siblings needed high school, they they had attended a little country school not far from here. Actually, it's just a half mile right from where we are right now, and. Um, That was my beginning of life.
3: I'm Patty Hetland, Ron's better half. I'm the oldest um, girl in the family. I have an older brother and then a sister and then three little brothers. And I lived on a farm just north of Quill Lake, about six miles. My dad was a farmer and did a lot of carpentry throughout the winter. Um, He was a very hard worker. My mom um, melt cows and uh, sold the cream, largely what we lived on uh, for groceries and such. We have three granddaughters and then we got four grandsons right in a row. And grandchildren are what make growing older fun.
2: My farm is, that I grew up on is, is actually very close to here. If you followed the crow, it would be less than two miles to the, to the southeast of us. My. Roots are very deep in in the farm. Um, It was always a joy for me to ride the tractor and any time dad would allow me, but my favorite of all was sitting on that combine. Um, I would sit there as long as he would allow me. There is nothing more pleasant than the smell of the soil in the spring when you open it up for the first time. It is a smell that my roots are deeply into. I became acquainted with Patty's faith um, probably because my, um, my own father was a, a seeker, he uh, was, was a son of a Lutheran minister, uh, my mother was a faithful Christian, um, dad had a lot of very serious questions about religion, he liked to argue it a little bit. He um, one of the, the, the things that he really couldn't grasp was how a loving God could burn somebody forever in hell for a few years of rebellion. And um, as a result, um, I think it kept him away. But within a, a couple of years of, of, his, of his dying, um, my brother, an older brother Ray, had come, come home one, one, uh, one time and and showed him where it says in in Malachi, uh, chapter four, verse one. It says that uh, the wicked shall be a stubble; that uh, it, it they will it, the, that it will burn them up. It says, and
3: neither uh, root or branch will be left.
2: Right. Yeah. And uh, you know, Dad was an old farmer. He knew exactly what happens when you throw that match into the stubble. It It burns up, it's it's, it's aggressive fire, it it burns up, and when when there's nothing more to burn, it it goes out. And um, after reading it, uh, Ray said that dad just simply acknowledged it, said, "Uh uh-huh. Some weeks later, Ray came back and and dad said to Ray, I believe that Jesus has forgiven me for my sins. And you know, it was because that one little gem of truth uh, told my father that God wasn't Hitler, he wasn't Stalin, he wasn't some ugly tyrant who was going to punish somebody forever for a little bit, of, for a few years of rebellion. And um, it settled it in his mind. He, he, it was a conversion experience for my father and he changed at that point in time. One significant memory that I have is as a little five-year-old standing in front of, the, our, of our farmhouse and thinking, I should be a Christian, I should become a Christian and making a conscious decision as that little five-year-old saying, no, I'd I'd miss out on too much fun. And um, later on, uh, I would have been about eight years old, and uh, I was playing in my garden, in the garden with my little farm toys, as as was common. And I saw a line of cars on a road just to the west of our land, an old dirt road that was almost never used, a whole bunch of cars. And uh, so I ran into the house and said to mom, mom, what, what would that be all about? And for some reason she said, I think it might be the Adventists going down to Lake Edward for a baptism.
3: That's the lake I was baptized at when I was about 12.
2: Now, of course, as a teenager, uh, like many teenagers do, I, I, I got through some silly years and uh, things weren't going very well for, for me at home uh, in my grade 12 and so my Another brother, Ray, who had become an Adventist and was studying theology at, at Lacombe, um, invited me to go there to finish off my grade twelve and Dad heartily agreed <laughs> and so um, I went there. The experience there wasn't very good uh, i it was a tough time and um, but then, you know later on, uh, as Patty described earlier we were i was i was baptized um, and it was a solid baptism I mean I believed but you know. In 1979, we'd bought a quarter of land. I was sitting in church. I'd been an Adventist for this time for five years. I was sitting there very bored. And it wasn't because the pastor had a bad sermon. It was because I wasn't invested in it. And so I got up. um, We'd just bought this land. I I got up, went into the truck, drove out, looked at this land until I knew church was over. Went back and and, uh, picked Patty up and our three little ones at that point. And I realized that, right then and there, that if I didn't make my relationship with God my own, I would walk away. I wasn't a good reader, I hadn't been a Bible student, but my brother had given me a, 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 um, a living Bible, which is a, a paraphrase for, for my baptism. I read it cover to cover. And uh, it's, it's, you know, things started to make sense for me. It was an easy read, it's what I needed. And it grounded me, and, and I've been a Bible student ever since. It's changed. By, by investing in it, it has changed my life, by investing in the scriptures. When did I meet Patty? When I was about 14 years old, I went to church with, with Mark. And we walked into the foyer, and standing on the top of these, the stairs that leads into the sanctuary was this cute little girl. She was probably 11 or 12. And I made I made a very real mental note saying um, hmm, she's a cute little girl. Little did I know that I was looking at my wife to be.
3: <laughs> Lucky guy. <laughs> I met Ron um, actually on a pathway at Marine Lake where we had a, my parents and my family had a, a cabin, and we went out a, a couple times. But then by grade twelve, we started pretty much going steady, and uh, I was only nineteen, and Ronnie was twenty-one when we got married. Yeah, my dad was raised in an Adventist home. His maternal grandfather had immigrated from England in 1905, and on the way over, he he ran into a storm at sea for about three weeks. And uh, he had made a promise to God during that time that if he saved his life, he would do something for him someday. Well, he got to Canada and forgot about his promise for about 20 years until a call porter came by and sold him the book, The Great Controversy. So grandpa read this book and started sharing what he'd learned with his neighbors, um, looked into the, you know, learned the Adventist faith and uh, and started a church. My dad was very active in the church when I was a young girl. Oh, and I wanted to show you, show you this Bible. My uh, my dad gave me. I hadn't seen anything, heard anything about this Bible until, oh, probably twenty years ago when he gave it to me for Christmas. So it was quite a, a, a keepsake because. My great grandpa, the one that had immigrated, had received this Bible from his mom in 1870, so it's quite an heirloom for me to have. When I was eight years old, my grandfather, dad's dad, was um, mixing feed for his turkeys, and he, got, he went to step up onto the power takeoff on the tractor and to look and see how the you know, how full the, the um, trailer was with the feed. And he got his foot caught in the power takeoff, which resulted in three amputations because he had a heart condition and poor circulation and gangrene set in. And so he'd lost his foot initially just above the ankle and ended up losing it right up to the top of his thigh almost. So um, my dad bought his land and that, led to other, that that really changed our lives. Um, Due to broken promises and gossip and jealousy, and then the increased debt load that my dad incurred, um, he started to drink. And so our home that had once been so happy was very different than it had been. But I had the privilege um, in 2012 2013, of seeing my dad come back to to the Lord. He um, was diagnosed with uh, cancer on his abdomen in May of 2012 and he had that tumor removed. And then by November of that year, um, he was told that he had cancer on his lungs. Then on December 18th, my my youngest brother's daughter-in-law was working at the emergency hospital in Saskatoon where dad was, where dad was. And she came into dad's room that morning and found him sobbing because the doctor had just come in and told him that the treatment for the cancer on his lungs was now on hold because they had discovered uh, cancer in his blood and his bones. So, um, it it was, I mean, it was just a horrific news for us to hear. But during that time, I saw I saw a change in in my dad. When I was in Kula with Mom helping Dad with his care, he would say to me in the morning, "Well, we'll watch the news and we'll." Listen to the weather, and then we'll have worship, and you can get me ready for the day. And then at night, it was the same kind of scenario. We'll listen to the news and the weather and and have worship, and then you can get me ready for bed. And I hadn't heard my dad initiate worship since I was eight years old, so it was really quite thrilling. Um, One day, Dad said to me, Patty, come here. I need to talk to you. And he said, do you think that God will forgive me for all the, the, the mean things I've done, all the people I've hurt? And so I said, well, have you, you know, have you told them that you're sorry? Have you asked their forgiveness? And he said, well, of course I have. And so I said, well, then, you know, the Bible tells us if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then just a couple days later, he said do you really think God has forgiven me for my sins? And I said to him, Dad, you've, you've confessed. You have to believe that even though you don't feel that forgiveness, you have to accept it by faith because that's what he's promised in his word. And then he seemed to have peace. My, uh, my dad died on February 18th my mom's birthday, two months to the day since he got the diagnosis of the bone and blood cancer. He died in my brother's arms and because it had been my, bro- my mom's birthday, many family were there to, to be with him in his last moment, so.
2: It was interesting to see the change that occurred in, in him. And I saw the same thing in my own, my own father, you know, in, within the last literally months of his life. It says in the Bible that uh, God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. And this is in heaven, this isn't, uh, you know, down here on this earth. And so there, there will be some tears shed in heaven because when we get there, we will, we will see some of the mistakes we made and the effect that it had on others, perhaps. Mm-hmm. But you know, the Bible is all will be settled in heaven. God will wipe away the tears. Those tears that are there will not remain through our existence in heaven. They will be, we will be free. God has, has literally settled everything at that point. We will have perfect peace. My brother Ray and his wife Jane and Patty and I have been doing some work in the Philippines since about 2013. Um, I was there, we were there for a period of time, back in, in 2017 again to, uh, to develop some more work that was going in an area that we have an interest in. And in 2019, I was there again myself, met with the Director of Education for the area, who uh, had some very interesting uh, perspective on things. He said that the United Nations has stated that the uh, education is a a right, it's not a privilege. And he said there are 2,600 children in this area that have no access to to education of any sort um, so this area is predominantly uh, made up of uh, indigenous people it's the Lumads they're um, the, the 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 areas that we are into are it's a mountainous area the 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 villages that we are working in have no road access um, and so everything is Gone in. You go in by foot. Sometimes it's a two and a half hour walk or a two hour walk, at least, to get into these places. So we have been um, sponsoring schools. In we have five villages now that there are schools involved in. Um, we um, we provide stipends for the for the, the teachers, the missionaries. Uh, we provide uh, materials and and occasionally some uh, facilities as well. We also provide a stipend for a, an agricultural specialist who has gone into these villages and he teaches gardening to the children and the parents are involved. Uh, he actually works with, the, with the, 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 the adults, the men to some extent, to teach them farming practices. It's an important work, but it's a very rewarding work as well. Uh, we found it's just necessary, it just needs to be done. Mm-hmm. There's a group here that has been working with the Canadian Food Grains Bank for a number of years. The Canadian Food Grains Bank was established in 1983 uh, when prior to that a group of um, Mennonite farmers who at the time were unable to sell their grain because of the quota systems, while people in Bangladesh and other countries in the world were literally starving, said this isn't right. And so they would literally bagged up green and sent it over, uh, with the uh, uh, you know support of the Canadian government. From that, it, in, uh, it developed into a, an organization because other people from other de- denominations said, "This is a good thing. We want to be involved." And so, presently, there are actually 15 non-governmental organizations, uh, church-sponsored, um, that are involved in this. Who? Um, who, through the, the money that is supplied to them, draw out of this bank, and uh, various projects that are that uh, that they have that they are funding and, and providing throughout the world, mostly emergency aid, but some development as well. The Canadian government is evolving, is involved in this, to the tune of about thirty million dollars a year, to uh, of matching funds that comes from the various projects that goes into the Canadian Food Bank. In 1998, there was two men, two of my neighbors, that said. Uh, we should look into getting a project going here. And so they did something with it. They called a little meeting of anybody that might be interested in, in getting involved. And so, um, as a result, six of us uh, formed a committee. Um, and uh, in 1998, uh, we rented 40 acres of land, out of which $33,000 was the net proceeds. It wasn't a lot, but it was, it was the starting seed. In 1999, uh, we rented 66 acres. In 2000, it was 80 acres. In 2002, it uh, took on the whole piece of land, which was 146 acres. It has raised uh, in excess of $900,000 in, in, the, in the 25 years and 25 crops that had that been growing. Last year alone, we sent in $90,000 to the Canadian Food Insurance Bank. And that, that, that money alone multiplied by, by four. Uh, you know which is matching federal money, you know takes it into the millions. The Canadian Food Rains Bank's uh, slogan is a Christian response to hunger. And so you know when you think about it, the three and a half years that Jesus was in his public ministry, a lot of the work that he was doing was simply helping others. he was he was healing, he was feeding the the, the needy and um, and so, I believe this is a, carry, a continuation of the work that Jesus started. He not only fed them, but he said, he bade them follow me. And so through this work, we are providing a, a, a necessary um, assistance to people who are in great need. And it's because it's a Christian response to hunger, because Jesus is saying, now follow me. Mm-hmm. Our committee with the Food Greens Bank, the local project committee, Spaulding uh, Nake and Growers uh, Project, uh, is consisting right now of 13 uh, members, mostly young, uh, intelligent, uh, innovative, uh, committed people, young, young farmers, and um, these are people who are doing it because it, it's, it's right. There's, there's nothing in it for themselves, they're, they're not gaining any praise or any financial advantage whatsoever. It's just a group of people who have decided that this is something that is of value, and it is of value. And they're, they're, I, I, I just really appreciate working with this group.
0: Ron and Patty, clearly your faith is is very important to you and it just motivates you, and I can see that it gets you out of bed every morning. Mm-hmm. Tell us about your devotional life and what that looks like.
3: Well, this fall I picked up a, a journaling book at the ABC. So I'm reading through my Bible again, and uh, every day there's sections that you read in the Old and New Testament. And I've always enjoyed journaling, and it, so I make notes on what... What has struck me from the scripture, and then there's room to, you know, put your own thoughts in there. So I'm enjoying that. Uh, we um, we study our Sabbath school lesson together and uh, have our own individual time in the Bible.
1: Patty, I also enjoy journaling. So we're <laughs> one good. of a kind.
3: <laughs> well, I'm a bit attention deficit, and the journaling helps me keep my focus. <laughs>
2: Well, I discovered many years ago that uh, the time to to devote to the scriptures, to prayer, is first thing in the morning. I'm talking early. And so, you know, that, that time has, for years, been just the, the foundation of my day, the foundation of my life. And uh, maintain it. So,
3: yeah. yeah, if you don't get up in the morning early, there's always distractions that keep you from that special time. Mm-hmm. And it, yeah we get cut short if we wait too late in the day to start.
1: Ron and Patty, do you have a favorite Bible verse that you can share with us?
2: Well, I have uh, several, but I think the one that stands out in my mind at the moment is First uh, John 4, 8. that says, um, God is love. One of the shortest verses in the Bible, but it's a summation of, of, of his care for us.
3: I guess with so much thinking about the past, uh, the verse that comes to my mind initially is what I learned when I was young, that says, um, "Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven." But uh, my my kind of go-to verse as an adult has been from uh, Psalms 46, verse one, that says. Um, God is our refuge and strength, the very present help in trouble. And then verse 10 of that chapter that says, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted on the earth.
0: Ron, as we close our time together, I wonder if you could pray for our viewers. Maybe there's someone who is feeling maybe a bit down right now or would like to know for certain that God is working in their lives today, that they need to see his power. Do mm-hmm. you think you could pray for such a person right now?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's pray. Dear Father, thank you that you are a God of mercy, a care and love. And I wanna pray for each individual who is watching this telecast at this moment I know there are, there are precious souls, Lord, who are, who are longing for a revelation of your, of your character, of your love, of your mercy. So may your hand be upon them right now. May the Holy Spirit touch their lives. May they lay their, their head on Jesus' gentle breast, that they may sense your presence and your power and your love, O oh God. And keep them ever in your care. make them know, that uh, the God of the universe is by their side, that the creator of all that there is has their very lives in their hands. This this is our prayer. And thank you for the privilege we have of coming for you, O God, in Jesus' name. amen. Amen. Amen.
3: Amen.
1: Ron and Patty, thank you so much for inviting us to your beautiful farm.
3: Well, thank you for the honor of doing this. And I just pray that this video, this presentation will be an encouragement to those that listen to it. Thank you for your ministry.
2: It's been wonderful the, the way pro- God has led us providentially through this whole experience. Yeah. So thank you very much for being here. Yeah. Friends, as Ron
0: confessed, he wasn't really interested in going to church until he studied the Bible for himself.
1: So we want to help you understand the Bible better and become wise in your walk with God. Our free offer is our Bible Study Guides.
0: Our free Bible Study Guides will help you to learn what the Bible teaches and how the Bible has verifiable answers to life's existential questions, including God's will for your life
1: practical answers that make sense and will give you assurance for the present and the future.
0: You too can experience the fullness of life that is found in the words of Jesus when he said it is written man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God.
3: I've had a really neat opportunity open up for me this winter Um, a student that I helped years ago uh, at school in resource, he messaged me one day and said, Mrs. Hetland, could you help my stepson like you've helped me in the past? So I thought, oh man, and then he wanted me to help him with math, which is not my strong point. So anyway, I've been teaching this young boy in grade six, and it's just been such a blessing. Like last Monday, we had such a good session and I saw such progress. And Ronnie came in the house for supper and I was just pumped. It just felt so good to see that I was actually happy make, wife,
2: happy wife. making
3: a difference. <laughs>